Boy, even when we don't feel like waking up on a cold, rainy morning, it's worth it to gather and worship Jesus, isn't it, amen? Yes, this is so good to sing together. And we know sometimes the weather and the cold can just kind of change our thoughts a little bit, but Jesus is always worth praising, always worth giving our life for. My name is Nate, one of the pastors here. I want to welcome you. If it's your first time or if you're online, I want to welcome you into the room. And it's just a good day. We're continuing this series called Running on Full, and Jesus says this in John chapter 10, 10, he says, I have come so that you would have life. And then he says this, life to the full. He doesn't say, I just came to give you life light, right? He's like, I came to give you life life. And I've come to give you what the world cannot give you. And when you find me and you seek me with all of your heart, you will find me and you will find why God has made you. You will find why you are here on this earth. And uh, how many people were here last weekend for Mission Weekend? Everybody get to catch that, man. What an unbelievable weekend. Four of you are super excited about it still. And uh, I got in at 1 a.m. back from the Dominican last week. I got to make it here on Sunday morning. It was a powerful weekend. We had almost all of our missionaries and we heard about God's work. This is what's so cool about the local church. You know, here we are, Southern Indiana, but we get a partner with God's ministers all across the world. And uh, we heard from Elliot Branch, who God is using to have a disciple-making movement happen in Southeast Asia. Then we got to hear from Dave, who does work in South America, who we partner with. And we got to hear what God's doing there. Actually, Terry and Amy Ruff, uh, they used to be on our staff when they were local. They're still on our staff, but they are in West Africa. And we have heard about how God has worked through them to get into 10 different countries now in Africa and just seeing the nations after the nations come to meet Jesus. And, and, and after we celebrated that, we had food trucks, praise the Lord, right? And, you know, and, and we, we ate and we hung out. And I just want to take a moment just to celebrate all that God did last week. And not only did we hear cool stories, but you guys packed 58,000 meals for Haiti last weekend. I love that. We had different shifts of people signed up on Saturday and on Sunday morning. It was so cool. I was walking out of here, I was hanging out all uh, Sunday and I was about 2.30, I was walking out to my car and there was a, a couple that I'm friends with and they were leaving the West Auditorium. I said, oh, are you guys doing the food packing? They said, yep, we set a record. And I said, uh, what, what's that? They go, we packed and filled 15 boxes, just our group, never done it before. And I'm like, competitive for Christ. I'll take it, right? Like this is, welcome to Southern Indiana. We will beat you at food packing, right? And, and it's like, I think, I think we ought to send an invitation out to all the other churches in the area and be like, food packing showdown, right? Like you bring your squad, we'll bring our squad for the glory of God. But I love it, I love that we got our hands dirty last weekend and we celebrated this. We've collected now a thousand Operation Christmas Child shoe boxes as a church. And just your generosity through that is so cool. But this is what I'm really excited about to share with you guys today. You know, last weekend, Doug talked about how next October, October 2nd, uh, we are going to take a church-wide mission trip. And, uh, and I love it. I always love when Doug Newland walks into my office and, and he says, hey, can you talk? And I'm like, oh, here we go. Right? Doug's got like something. And he's like, I was just thinking. I'm like, what are you thinking? What, what, what's the spirit up to, Doug? And he goes, I'm thinking. Remember a couple of years ago, five years ago, you know, we chartered a plane because it's a whole lot less expensive if you, if you take everybody on one plane together. He said, I think I want to do that again and see who's interested in that. And we'll go to Guatemala. We'll partner with Casas Por Cristo and we'll build homes down there. And, and I love the idea. Five years ago, it was amazing. 225 of you went on that. And I'm like, Doug, I love it. But I'm like, uh... I don't know if you know this, but like 
the world's kind of going through a pandemic, dude. You know, like, I, I don't know if people will want to travel and all this other stuff. And he said, I really feel like the Lord's calling us to do it. I said, okay, let, let, let's put the call out there and we'll see. And what's so cool is this, Doug mentioned it. And actually, I'm gonna put it up there. If you're interested in this trip, uh, just text the word Guatemala to 81411. And uh, if you're, we'll get you information. There, there's, a, there's a financial deal going on that's just for this week only. But what I thought is this, I'm like, Doug, great idea. It's not gonna work, my man. I love you, Jesus loves you. I don't think it's gonna work. Uh, this is why I need Jesus. Uh, because I don't always have it all together. Here's what I wanna celebrate with y'all. 176 of you guys signed up for this trip. And... Uh, <laughs> Doug told me Friday, he goes, Nate, we're going to need a bigger plane. And I said, all right, man. Now, here's what's so cool about this. And here's why we're doing this deal. Normally, this trip is $1,300. We go down there. We build homes for folks who really, they don't even have a solid roof over their head. In the name of Jesus, we partner with churches. We partner with pastors. And we do this incredible church, you know, opportunity as a church. And the reason why we're able to give this deal only for the next week for $700 is this. This is just how cool God is. When we went to the closing to pay off our church's debt a little over a month ago, when we went there and, and we wrote the check and we paid off the debt, they said, okay, here's your paperwork. And then they said this, and here's your airline miles. We said, what? They said, yeah, yeah, you guys have thousand upon thousand airline miles. And we went, oh, we know what to do with this, <laughs> right? And we go, people going to get a free ride to Guatemala. That's what we're going to do with this. And so this is, isn't this the way God works? Not only are we doing this, but we get to use, uh, we didn't even know. We, matter of fact, we should have known, but we didn't know. We had all these airline miles and we get to put it towards that trip. That's why just for this next week, we're encouraging, if you're interested, it's a hundred dollar deposit on this, but we want as many people to go on this trip as possible. And here's the, here's just the crazy thing about it. Last weekend was so powerful. If you didn't get to catch the service, go back. You'll just hear incredible God story after God story. In the centrum, it was powerful just to see people talk with other mission partners and folks begin to, to step out in different ways and all sorts of things. And you know why it was so powerful? This is what I began to think about. I'm like, God, why was this so powerful? It's because we thought about it. We just took a weekend to think about what God is doing all the time, all across the globe. And we were overwhelmed when we stopped to think about the bigness and the goodness of God. I love that Doug was willing to think that maybe God is calling us to go on this church trip. I love that our team was willing to think about bringing in as many missionary partners as possible to connect them to as many of you as possible to hear the stories of God. Now, we may need to rethink doing food trucks in the rain next year, all right? You know, we'll maybe rethink that. But what was so powerful about last weekend is this. We just thought about the goodness and the grandness of God. And there's something that happens inside you and inside of me, when we stop to think about the goodness of God, when we, when we begin to reflect on the person and the personality and the priorities of Jesus, when we begin to see God's vision that it's not just for me that he came to save, and it's not just even for our country, but God came to save and redeem the entire world, all nations, all races, all country, Every single person is made in the image of God and God sent his son Jesus to redeem you and I. And what's amazing about the kingdom of God is this, 
it works different than the rest of the world. That you and I, when we pour ourselves out, what we find is this, we get filled up, don't we? The more that we begin to pour ourselves out, something begins to happen. We go, man, I, I feel better when I don't make life just about me. In the book of Acts, Paul says it this way, that it is more blessed to give than it is to consume. Somebody needs to remind your kid about that this week, right? I listen to church, right? You know, all this other stuff. And really what scripture is happening is this. God is saying, when you and I start living a life that is being poured out, what we'll find is this. We actually live a life filled up. Think about it this way. For 176 people who signed up, they may not have thought about it this way, but this is what I thought. You guys just paid to go work on your vacation, Think about that for a moment, right? You're like, I didn't think about that, right? But think about it. You paid to go work during fall break because that's what the kingdom of God does. See, the kingdom of God, Jesus says, is this. The kingdom of God takes those who are last and puts them first. And the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed. Sometimes we feel like we don't have much faith or even faith at all. And he goes, if you just have faith of a mustard seed, I will do incredible things in your life. See, the kingdom of God works differently. This is why as we talk about running on full, what we need to do is we need to think more and more about the kingdom of God. This is what Paul is doing in the letter to the church in Philippi. is he's reminding them, calling them back to think about the kingdom of God. In chapter one, he says this, hey, remember, he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. See, the good news of why we sing and why we worship Jesus is this. He began a good work. He'll continue doing a good work even when you and I are all messed up. God's saying, I will help you and I will heal you even when you haven't helped or tried to heal yourself. I'm the one who redeems life. In chapter 2, Paul says this. Your attitude should be the same as Christ Jesus. He goes, I want you to think about the attitude of Christ that he made himself nothing, taking the very form of a servant. He's going, here's what the full life is. In chapter three, this is what he says. I want you to forget about what was behind, and now I want you to focus on what's ahead. Too many times, this is what begins to happen. We want to follow God. Here's the only thing. We think more about our past than we do our future with Jesus. And so you and I, we're here today. We want to take steps. We want to join Jesus. We want to follow what he has. But too many times we'll think about the past and Jesus going, I want you to think about your future with me. I want you to think about where I want to take you. I want to get inside your heart and your mind and allow you to begin to follow me. And this is why today we're looking at this about how God has called us to be full of his beauty, full of his grace, to thank the ways of Jesus. In Philippians chapter 4 verse 8, Paul as a pastor says this. He opens in verse 8 and he says, finally, brothers and sisters. Now, here's what's interesting. Paul says, finally, and then he goes to preach on for like another chapter, right? Like any good preacher. And in closing, another 15 minutes, right? You know, he just keeps going. But he goes, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, this is what he says, think about such things. Think about it. Last weekend was so powerful because we thought about it. The grace of God is so powerful when we think about it. The kingdom of God is the greatest invitation of your life and in my life when we think about it. And Paul says, 
whatever is right, whatever is true, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, whatever is pure, whatever is excellent or praiseworthy. He says, think about such things. And what he's getting at is this. Oftentimes we have thoughts, don't we? Oh, we have thoughts about everything. All right, let's talk politics. Ooh, maybe not, right? You know what I'm saying? It's like, hey, we all got thoughts, right? We got thoughts about this. We got thoughts about this. And Paul says this. He calls them back because what's happened in the church of Philippi is this. They've quit thinking the thoughts of God. And what's happening is this. They're falling apart. They're bickering with one another. They've lost the idea of what the kingdom of God is. And Paul is calling them back. He goes, here's what I want you to do. I just want you to think about the goodness of God. And what he's saying is this. I want you to think about what you're thinking about. I want you to think about what you're thinking about. So question for you and I today is this, what are you thinking? I mean, this is what the word means. The word think there, it doesn't mean this. You're like, Nate, ooh, if you saw my SAT score, you know I don't think very much. I'm not talking about that, right? What Paul says is this, what are you dwelling on? What are you dwelling on? Here's what we know. What we dwell on develops us, doesn't it? What you and I focus on, what you and I set our heart on, what you and I set our mind on begins to lay the foundation of where we go. Paul says, church in Philippi, you're running on empty because you're not thinking about the fullness of God. Not because you are supposed to have it all together, but you've lost dwelling on God. That's what that word to think means. It means just to dwell. And this is what I love about King David. King David, he's a great warrior. He's a great songwriter. He's a great leader. He's all those things, but he says something about his greatest desire. And this is why I believe he was a great man of God. In Psalm chapter 27, verse four, he reveals his heart. Listen to what he says. He says, one thing I ask of the Lord. It's the one thing. This is what I seek above everything else that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. You know what's interesting? The one thing David doesn't pray for is success. You know what he prays for? God, I just want to be with you. God, I want to dwell with you. I want, God, I want your heart to be my heart. I want your thoughts to be my thought. God, I want my life to be your life. God, the one thing I seek, the one thing I want is just to dwell with you. Could it be that God did a great work in David, not because he was so talented and not just because he was such a physical specimen. Yes, he was gifted and talented. It's this, is that he desired to dwell with the Lord more than anything else in his life. The things that David thought about was this, God, I just want to be with you. I want to be your man. God, I want to walk in your ways. C.S. Lewis, one of the greatest thinkers of the last hundred years and theologian, says it this way in his book, Mere Christianity. He says, a Christian does not think God will love us because we are good. Some of us, and I grew up believing that, right? I'm good at being good, and sometimes I felt like God would love me more if I was good. C.S. Lewis says, a Christian does not think God will love us because we are good, but that God will make us good because he loves us. See, when you and I stop to think about the love of God, when you and I stop to realize that God loves us right where we are, oh, he's not okay with everything that we do. 
But he loves us right where we are, and he's going, I want to do a good work in your life. I want you to begin to walk in my ways. And this is why I love what it says here. Paul uses this word, whatever. Now, oftentimes we hear that negative, right? And typically by teenage girls, right? You know, it's like, hey, go clean your room. Yeah, whatever, right? You know, and it's, like, and it's, it's used in a negative context. And Paul says this because sometimes we limit God. And we go, if I think about God, all he's going to make me think about is what I've done wrong. Maybe for some of you, you grew up thinking this. Or hearing this, when you got in trouble, your parents would say this, go to your room and what? Think about what you've done. I remember I was told that as a kid. Uh, one day I went, fine, okay. Went to my room, I thought about what I did. Came back out, talked to my parents. I said, you know what, I thought about it. And I was absolutely wrong. That was disrespectful to you, mother and father. And I'm gonna go apologize to my sister. I never said that. I'm just telling you, you're like, really? <laughs> man, man, no. You know what I thought about when I was told to go think about what I did? I shouldn't have hit her once. I should have hit her twice, <laughs> right? That was my chance. Or we think more about this. We go, no, we start ruminating on what they've done when we think about it. Right, this is why Paul goes, hey, when you go think about it, anybody done this, maybe you think about an incident where somebody's done you wrong and you think about it and it, it, it ends up being like 10 times worse than what actually happened, right? We begin to build it up and we start putting emotion and motive behind it that there was no emotion or motive behind. But because we just started thinking about it and ruminate on it, man, it starts growing and festering and all this other stuff. This is why Paul goes, time out. Think about what's true. Think about what's right. Think about what's pure. Think about what's noble. Think about what's admirable. Think about what's excellent, what's praiseworthy. And you know what he's saying? Think about the cross of Jesus. Think about the cross and your hurt and your pain. Or what will happen is this. The only thing that you'll think about, whether you've hurt somebody or somebody's hurt you, is how you can hurt them. And Paul is going, I want you to come back and I want you to think about all of the goodness of God, not just how Jesus has come to save just us, but I want you to think about all of the fullness of God, all of creation, all of God's heart. I started practicing that week. This week, I'm like, all right, God, I want to think more about you. I don't want to just go through the mundane, go through the motions. God, I want to think about you. I want to see your beauty for what it is. Some of you hunters in this room are online. That's the reason why you go and hunt and you come back and your heart's filled up. Even if you didn't get a, a, a buck or anything like that, you come back because you were out there and you saw God's creation. You saw the sunrise. You saw the leaves changing. You saw all this and something happened when you got out there and this is what you did. You thought and you took in the creation of God. I was driving this week. I was taking my boy Carter to school and I was just sitting at the stoplight. And I looked over and I saw this beautiful tree in our town. And, I, and I've driven by it thousands of times, but for whatever reason, just never noticed it. And so I stopped. I'm just trying to practice. God, I want to think about you. I want to think about your beauty. I want to think about your goodness. I want to think about all the things you've made that are good. I don't want to miss anything. And I just started recording this tree. This tree was a beautiful tree. And then it started losing its leaves. The wind wasn't blowing, but it looked like it was snowing leaves. And so I just, this, I, I geeked out. And so I took a video of this, just sitting there in the van on the way to school. No wind, beautiful tree. And I'm like, whoa, 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 what's happening? It's just snowing leaves. 
And then I stopped because I started driving, right? I'm like, okay, I better stop, right? Think about whatever. And I send it, I got a buddy who just passed his test. He's an arborist. Uh, I don't, still don't really know what that means. He just loves trees, I guess, is, uh, is what it means, right? He knows a lot about them. I said, John, what's going on with this? He said, oh, oh, it's one of those ginkgo trees. I, I'm probably not even saying that right. And he goes, the thing about these ginkgo trees is this. Their leaves will turn bright yellow like that, almost instantaneous, and then they'll lose all their leaves in a day. He goes, actually, the roots of it are from China. And I'm like, I'm in Sellersburg. What in the world? You know? My buddy texted me this morning. He's watching service. He said, my grandma planted that tree on that corner. And I'm just sitting there going... Because I stopped to acknowledge the beauty of God, I learned about a new creation of God that was there all along, that just was radiating the beauty of God, and here's the thing, and I missed it for years. There's something that happens when you and I slow down to think about the goodness of God, to think about the creation of God, to think that God just made that tree, and there it is, for us to see his fingerprints and go, Wow. See, this is what Paul is calling them to. It's what he's calling us to. He's going, sometimes we get stuck spiritually, and it's because we're not thinking about what we're thinking about. We're just thinking, and we're just going, and we're not taking time to reflect. Last Sunday, after I walked out of here, man, it it was such a great weekend. I've seen everybody and loved Mission Weekend, and then I had to go do a funeral Sunday night of a 41-year-old Northside family member here who passed away unexpectedly. And this awe and beauty of God's work across creation quickly had to turn to grief. I sat there and I was thinking about that. I was preparing for the funeral. And the only thing that could come to my mind was 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13, where it says this. Paul says, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that even though we grieve, We do not grieve like those without hope. That even in the midst of loss, we have hope because of Jesus. See, Jesus didn't just die to conquer sin on the cross. When he rose again, he defeated death. And he's reigning now in heaven. And he will come back with us. And he's with us right now in the spirit. And here's what we know. God did not create this world with death at the beginning. But when Jesus came, he came and he overcame death when he rose again. So that you and I, when we face grief of death, the loved one or even our own, this is what we do. We don't face it without hope. But we face it with the grace and the goodness of Jesus that he is with us in the hardest moments. But here's the thing, I had to stop and think about it because I was overwhelmed with grief. I was overwhelmed with the loss of my friend. This is what Paul is saying. He's going, I want you to think about all of the goodness of God. I want you just to look about the grace of God. I want you to remember God's goodness. And he even writes this in Romans chapter 12, verse two. This is why he's saying to do this. He tells the church in Rome, he says, don't conform any longer to the pattern of the world. Some of us, we're trying not to conform. We've got some habits going on in our life. We go, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. I don't even like what I do. And we're trying to change, but sometimes we can't change. He says, don't conform any longer to the pattern of the world. But then he says this, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Change what you dwell on. Change what you sit with. Change with what disciples you. He says, because then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Some of you are going, Nate, okay, I get it. I I need to think more about God. I got it. Why is that really a big deal? 
Here's why this is a big deal. Because thinking about God prepares our mind for the battle we face. See, you and I face a spiritual battle every moment of the day. Every moment of the day, you and I are in a constant spiritual battle. Satan is always attacking our mind. He's trying to flood us. He's trying to distract us. He's trying to turn our thoughts elsewhere. He's trying to get us to make everybody else the problem. He's trying to get us to cut off relationships. This is why Jesus, right before he says, I've come so that you would have life and life to the full. He says, and this thief, Satan has come to only kill, steal, and destroy. That's what he's come to do. That's what he wants to do. And so we are in the spiritual battle, and this is what he writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Paul says this. He says, for though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. We don't fight like the world as Christians. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, the weapons we have are divine power from God to demolish strongholds on our mind. And we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And here it is. We take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. See, the battle you and I are in is what we're going to dwell on the most. Satan wants you and I to dwell on any and everything other than the goodness and the grace of Jesus. And Jesus says, when you dwell on me, your life begins to be full. I read a book uh, a couple months ago. It's called Live No Lies. And it was all about the lives of Satan, how he uses lies to attack us. That's his method. That's his weapon. He wants you and I to believe lies. And this is what John Mark Comer says in his book, Live No Lies. He talks about the ways of Satan. He says this. He said, all he's trying to do is plant deceitful ideas that play to disordered desires that are normalized in a sinful society. So Satan wants to do. And he lies about who God is. He lies about who we are and what the good life is with an aim to undermine our trust in God's love and wisdom. And his intent is to get us to seize autonomy from God and redefine good and evil for ourselves, thereby leading to the ruin of our soul's in society. That's what Satan wants. Everything totally destroyed, totally divided, pure hatred. And Paul says, whatever is true, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is noble, whatever is admirable, think about this. Begin to fill your mind with this. And some of you are going, Nate, I love it, but man, my life is just crazy. I know. Here's the good thing that happens when you and I slow down to think about the goodness of God. Here's what happens. When we think about the goodness of God, it eliminates the hurry in our life. Actually, the greatest enemy for you and I from thinking about God is this. It's hurry. It's a hurried life. I'm not just saying a Christian life is that we just clock in and clock out because that's not how Jesus lived. If you study the life of Jesus, what you find is this. He was in high demand. He was busy. Sometimes he would spend all night healing people and then people would come after him and ask him to come heal them and this and that. And he was interrupted. So one time so many people showed up. He had to preach from a boat. He couldn't even stand on the edge of the shore. Everybody's pressing for him. But here's what you'll find in the life of Jesus is this. You'll never find Jesus in a hurry. Here's what you'll find. You'll find Jesus always getting away to think about his father. I don't know if you remember this story, but when Jesus was 12, his parents lost him. 
right? Which makes some of his parents feel good about ourselves. We're like, all right, if Jesus' parents, you know, you know, lost him in Target or something, right? Okay, you know, uh, Nathan Ross, please come to the front office. You know, it's like one of those things, you know, sometimes we're hiding in coat racks, you know, in Target as a kid or whatever. And there's this story where Jesus' parents, they, they leave Jerusalem, they don't know where he's at, and they're looking all over, and they go and they find, they find him in the temple. And he's 12 years old, and they go, what are you doing? And then he says this, don't you know I have to be in my father's house? Don't you know I need to be dwelling with my father? Isn't it interesting that the only thing that the disciples asked Jesus to teach him was how to pray? They went, man, Jesus, you keep getting away. Why do you keep getting away? We don't know how to pray. Jesus, would you teach us how to pray? What he was doing is this. He was always getting away to dwell and think about his father. That's how he knew what to do next. He would always make time to be with his father. This is what Paul is saying here for the church in Philippi and for us today. He's going, I want you to make time. John Ortberg says this, if we're not careful, he said, this is what will happen. He said, for many of us, the great danger is not that we will renounce our faith. For many of us in this room, it's not that we'll renounce our faith. It is that we will become so distracted and rushed and preoccupied that we will settle for a mediocre version of it. And we will just skim our lives instead of actually living them. It's the greatest challenge you and I face. We'll just live this hurried life, but we won't know how to be with God. We won't know how to dwell with God. We won't know how to listen to God. Some of you are going, Nate, I love it. I just don't know how to do that. There's something we do here just with our staff when we're trying to think better about what God has for us. With our staff, we're actually doing this right now as we plan out next year. Uh, this is it's a simple discipline I want to encourage you to do. Maybe if you're kind of planning your time with God or, or you're planning how you can really, you know, think about your marriage or think about your family or think about your friends or even use this at work, there, there's four questions we ask to think well, and it's this. What's going right What's going wrong, what's missing, and what's confusing? And just think about that spiritually for yourself for a second. What's going right with you and the Lord right now? One, let me just say this, you're here, you're watching online, right? We'll put a gold star by your name, this is awesome, right? What else is going right? Are you in God's word, do you have a plan? Or maybe it's this, and here's what's great, you can, you can fill this whole list in. What's going wrong? You're going, man, you know what? I'm thinking wrong. I'm thinking God will only love me when I become good, but that's actually not how I become good. Man, that's a wrong way of thinking. I need to change that way of thinking. For some of you, though, you go, man, there's some things that are missing in my life. There's just some confusion. What's great is you, you bring this into your marriage. Pray about it before you do, right? You know what I'm saying? And you talk about, hey, what's going right? Hey, what's maybe not going so right? What's missing? What's confusing right now? I love what one pastor said. He said it this way. If the devil can't make you bad, he'll make you busy. He'll make you busy. All he wants you to do is just be distracted from the work of God. What's amazing is this. Sometimes we think about it where we go, you know, if I really slow down to think about God, it, it, will it even matter? Will it even make a difference? I hear about these shoe boxes and all this other stuff, and we go, 
Is it really doing anything in the world? What's amazing is I met a man, uh, part of our church family here, his name's Victor. Met him uh, back in August at one of our young adult gatherings. Got to know his story a little bit. And then what was amazing is this. When we started the Operation Christmas Child, he came up to Jim Props, our executive pastor out in the lobby, and he goes, I love that our church does Operation Christmas Child. I said, I know, it's really cool, isn't it? Like we're thinking about others and we're sacrificing and we're being generous. He goes, yeah, that's great. But he said, the reason why I love it is because he's from Tanzania. And he said, I got one of those boxes when I was 13 years old and it changed my life. We said, whoa. We said, tell, tell us more. He said, yeah. He said, it was incredible. He said, my pastor was there. It was incredible. It, it really changed my life that somebody would be thinking about me on the other side of the world. And, and what that meant, that if someone else is thinking about me, that means God's thinking about me. And then he said, hey, my, my pastor is going to be in from Tanzania. Would you like to meet him this weekend? And we said, sorry, man, we're all busy. And uh, no, we didn't. We're like, yeah, you're like, what a jerk. Yes. We're like, yes, Victor, we want to meet with your pastor. We sat down last week. We captured their story about how God changed their life in one of the smallest ways. Take a listen to Victor's story right now. Tanzania, we really enjoy um, the way God has uh, given us beautiful creation. I come from the highest mountain in Africa. We do have several national parks with amazing animals, and uh, we have amazing natural resources. So we, we are really grateful for what the Lord has given us. Despite the fact that we live in such a beautiful place, there are challenges, and um, one challenge is um, Tanzania is one of the poorest countries in the world. And because of poverty, you can imagine that there will be a lot of uh, challenges. There will be some children that cannot get uh, education, whereby they don't have running water, they don't have uh, electricity in their homes, and uh, things like that. But when I was a, a young boy, I went to a Christian school, I received a Christmas box that, you know, had shoes in it. And, you know, just seeing shoes um, with a very distinct smell and, you know, from America with a knot, um, I was a little bit emotional, but I went to bed um, with the shoes that I received. That's how special that was to me. Knowing that there's someone outside somewhere around the world that really thinks about um, kids somewhere around the world um, was something that's very special to me. And so that's what Operation Christmas Box um, means to me. Like it's something that is making a difference to the lives of many kids around the world. You may, you may not know the impact the shoeboxes of Christmas child uh, shoeboxes bring to the children and the community of Tanzania. But the truth is uh, the shoe boxes, when children receive them, they don't take it for granted. 
uh, it changes their whole system of thinking. It reminds them of the true love of God. And before these boxes are distributed, you have people that share the gospel and they also understand that these boxes are given by Christians. For some of the children, it is the first time they are hearing that uh, Jesus loves them, Jesus saves, because they don't discriminate uh, religion of the children that are receiving. Some of them will be Muslims, and that will be the best opportunity for them to hear about Christ, and at the same time, receiving shoes for the first time, some of them. If someone is hesitant on whether to give a shoebox or not, I will highly recommend or highly encourage you to think twice about that. Um, just because I am one of the people that benefited from this operation. What you're doing is making a difference in the life of kids on the other part of the world. Um, you're either exposing them to the gospel of Christ, um, providing them with a pencil that you know might have a picture of something it might be something special or it could be shoes that um, was just like me that I received uh, I believe 10 12 years ago it could be the boy on the other side of the world just like me um, you know thanking God that there's someone out there that thought of him and decided to give this Amazing God story. Here's the thing. I would have never thought Victor would be in our church. And that's why we need to thank the thoughts of God. He has bigger ways, better plans, and a bigger purpose for our life. Let me pray for us right now. Father, we thank you. We thank you for Victor and his pastor, Glorious. We thank you, Father, for the nations that you've created. Father, for the people that are made in your image all across the world. And Father, in small ways, God, in ways that sometimes we look at and seem just insignificant. God, you want to carry the good news of Jesus through that small act of love. Father, I pray this week, Lord, would you begin to tear down the walls of cynicism, of bitterness, of hatred. Father, would you do a good and pure and beautiful holy work of Jesus in our hearts and our lives. Father, your ways are better. Lord, would we walk faithfully in them by the power of your spirit. We pray all of this in your name, Jesus. Everybody said together, amen. Hey, we'll see you all this Wednesday at Night of Worship. God bless you all. Happy Thanksgiving.